Well, good morning. All right, it's so good to have you on this uh, rainy day, um, and uh, welcome here to the chapel at Warren Valley. If you're new to us, we welcome you here, and uh, there is a welcome center out to the right as soon as you exit the sanctuary. Um, so if you're new here, we actually have a gift for you, and we would love to know of your attendance here, so please uh, do me a favor, stop by there afterwards as well, and get your your gift. Um, if you have been here for a while and not on, and you're not on our email list, go out to the Welcome Center as well. Uh, the email list, they send out multiple times. Christina sends it out multiple times a week, and it gives a lot of really good information about things that are coming up uh, here at the chapel, also prayer requests. Uh, so if you want more information, I would encourage you to stop out there um, by the Welcome Center and ask them to put you on that email list, and you will get on that. Uh, each one of you that came into the sanctuary today uh, received a flyer. I won't go through all of those details on there, but it will tell you about some of the key things that are happening here at the chapel, exciting things that happen here on Sundays and then throughout the week. Uh, we've got an opportunity to start our Sunday school series or, uh, as well from K all the way up um, to adults, uh, and it was exciting. We had two adult Sunday school classes, one on apologetics. Um, um, Bill Dean and Pastor Doug are doing that one, and then uh, Elder Ed and myself are doing uh, one on marriage. So if you didn't get a chance to come this week, I'd encourage you to come next week, and we're going to go all the way till the uh, just before Christmas. That's how our Sunday schools go, uh, so we would love you to come. Uh, learn how to defend your faith or learn how to enrich your marriage. Those are some key things. Uh, one other thing I want to constantly highlight is this. There is um, our email addresses and our telephone numbers of all the elders and the pastors, vocational elders and the non-vocational elders are here. So if you want to, uh, to reach out to a pastor or one of the elders, you have our email addresses there. Please use those. Uh, we would love to hear from you. Uh, Community Blend's got a number of uh, uh, ministries that are here, and you could see highlighting that ministry. They do a wonderful job here during the week. Uh, they not only provide you great coffee and opportunities there to fellowship, but they also provide even greater than that um, biblical opportunities for you to get together in community. So uh, we want to constantly pray for that ministry. I think that's all that I want to share with you. Uh, let me um, give you an update on Rita. Uh, so, came from Clyde this morning. Uh, so, uh, she uh, looked a lot better last night, talked a lot to Jill and I. Uh, they're getting her up this morning. Luke and I are going to see her this morning. My heart is so thankful to God for hearing all our prayers and blessing us with answering them. So uh, just uh, continue to keep um, uh, Rita in prayer and that family in prayer. Well, let me go to prayer uh, for all of you right now. Father, I, I think of the passage in Isaiah, and it says that you keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord your God is an everlasting rock. Lord, I, I thank you for the fact that you are the sovereign God, that you keep us, you sustain us, you secure us.
You secure us in perfect peace, Lord. The perfect peace purchased by your precious Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and his shed blood, his broken body, which we celebrate today at the communion table. Lord, you give us perfect peace when our minds are stayed on you. So I pray that through all the distractions that are happening around us today, Father, in our lives, personally, relationally, physically, whatever the struggles may be, I pray that you'd help us to fix our minds on your Son. As we sing today, as we pray today, as we hear your word today, as we take communion today, I pray that we would fix our minds on you. Lord, I pray that you would help us to have a greater level of trust in you as well. And I pray that you would remind us that even as the mountains feel like they're shaking, it feels like the foundations are quaking, that we have a sure foundation in the everlasting rock, your son, your word, you, your spirit. Father, thank you for the great... Um, improving news for Rita, Father. I pray that you would be with her, grant wisdom to her doctors. Lord, I pray for um, Diana, Father. Um, I pray for Linda, Father. As they are continuing to work through their struggles, Father, I pray that you would comfort them with your peace, and I pray that you give wisdom to their doctors and help and for their families as, Lord, as well, Lord. I thank you for Dan's improvement, Father. I pray that you would continue to um, be with that man, Father. Strength than him in ways that we can't imagine. Father, the list is long and probably longer than I can go through. I pray that you would remind us that there is a thought in your mind for every single person in this room. You know every struggle that they have. You know every difficulty that they go through. You're the absolutely sovereign God. You're the infinitely wise God. You're the perfectly loving God, and you are perpetually present. So I pray that they would experience you in a deep, way as they go through their dark times right now. In Jesus' matchless, holy, and powerful name we pray. Amen. Remember those walls. Remember those walls that we called sin and shame. They were like prisons that we couldn't escape. But he came, and he died, and he rose. Those walls are rubble now. Remember those giants we called death and grave. They were like mountains that stood in our way. But he came, and he died, and he rose. Those giants are dead now. This is our God. This is who he is. He loves us. This is our God. This is what he does. He saves us. He poured a cross beneath the grave. Let heaven and earth proclaim, this is our God, King Jesus. Remember that fear that took our breath away. Faith so weak that we could barely pray. But he heard every word, every whisper. Now those altars in the wilderness 
story of his faithfulness never once did he fail and he never will this is our god this is who he is he loves us this is our god this is what he does he saves us before the cross beat the grave let heaven and earth proclaim this is our god king jesus who pulled me out of that pit he did he did who paid for all of our sin nobody but jesus who pulled me out of that pit he did he did who paid for all of our sin nobody but jesus who rescued me from that grave yahweh yahweh who gets the glory and praise nobody but jesus who rescued me from that grave yahweh yahweh who gets the glory and praise nobody but him this is our god this is who he is he loves us this is our god this is what he does he saves us he bore the cross beat the grave let heaven and earth proclaim this is our god king jesus bore the cross beat the grave let heaven and earth proclaim this is our god king jesus oh this is our god Wonderful, merciful. Wonderful, merciful Savior, precious Redeemer and friend. Who would have thought that a lamb could rescue the souls of men? Oh, you rescue the souls of men. Counselor, Comforter, Keeper, Spirit we long to embrace. You offer hope when our hearts have hopelessly lost the way. Oh, we've hopelessly lost the way. You are the one. You are the one that we praise. You are the one we adore. You give the healing and grace our hearts always hunger for. Oh, our hearts always hunger for. Almighty Infinite. 
Almighty Infinite Father, faithfully loving your own, here in our weakness you find us falling before your throne. Oh, we're falling before your throne. You are the one that we praise. You are the one we adore. You give the healing and grace our hearts always hunger for. Oh, our hearts always always hunger for sing you are the one you are the one that we praise you are the one we adore you give the healing and grace our always hunger for oh our hearts always hunger never come to save us what if you had never given grace it was love that held you there upon the cross it was love that led you to the grave forgiven I've been set free oh the power of Christ in me my Jesus my victory oh the promise of Christ in me What if hope could never conquer darkness And the stone had not been rolled away It was love that poured into your lifeless lungs It was love that raised you from the grave Forgiven, I've been set free. 
Father, we are indeed so thankful and grateful for the power of Christ that is in us. And Lord, as we've been rejoicing and singing of your goodness, of your grace, um, the reminders of these songs, Lord, that without you we would be lost. But we're not lost because of what you've done. Lord, we thank you for that great promise that you have given us. And Lord, for those who do not know you, Lord, that this song seems strange, we just pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would speak to hearts through your word. We ask your blessing on pastors. He brings forth the word today, Lord. Uh, may your spirit quicken our hearts and our ears and our minds to be attentive to your word. We pray in thy name. Amen. You may be seated.
This morning we're going to be, the message will be from the uh, book of Jude, verses 1 through 4. Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James, to those who have been called, who are loved in God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ, mercy, peace, and love be yours in abundance. Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt compelled to write and urge you to contend for the faith, for the faith that once was all entrusted to God's holy people. For certain individuals whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you. They are ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ, our only sovereign and Lord. Good morning. It's great to have you here. So, um, yeah, I'm only doing four verses today, but that just means I can slow down a little bit, right? Um, so don't get your hopes up. Um, so we're going to be working through Jude over the next three weeks, uh, and when we finish that, we'll be starting a new series. We're calling it, um, I, don't, I don't know, Tim, if I even okayed this title with you, I gave it to you, but um, let's start at the very beginning, um, and we want to go back and look at Genesis 1 through 11. Uh, for, for kind of our next series, because so much of what we believe, is found, the foundation comes out of those first 11 chapters of Genesis. So um, that's the next series that we're going to be working on. But today we want to finish up, uh, start the series on Jude. I'm sorry? Oh, there's a sheet in the back for baptismal. If you want to, if you're interested in getting baptized, you can sign the sheet in the back for baptisms. Did we did we dismiss the kids for junior church? Children for junior church, uh, five to eight years old. You can go right now. Okay. Anything else? We're good. We're good. We're good. Um, so I want to share a story with you that you won't know any of these characters, so it's okay. I, I've done a lot of weddings over the last. 35 years, and um, this one uh, is right up there with a very memorable, uh, as very memorable. So I got into the rehearsal uh, for this wedding, and um, you know, the, the rehearsal should be a really joyous occasion, right? You, you go through the wedding practice together, and you laugh, and you're going to eat afterwards together, and, you, and everybody introduces themselves abroad. But it's a wonderful time, you know, great, great. So, you know, I'm going thinking this is going to be one of those times again. Nice experience. We'll talk about the wedding and the couple and all that fun stuff. We started to go through the, through the rehearsal, and I normally will go through it like twice and, and just make sure everybody knows what they're supposed to be doing. And um, for like the second round, um, the, the mother wouldn't even come down and practice sitting, the, the mother of the bride. She just she wouldn't do it. Matter of fact, it was worse than that. She was in the back audibly weeping and almost wailing. Like, like, I'm trying to run this thing, and I'm hearing, the, I'm hearing this. <laughs> so, you know, we, we, we kind of muddled our through, way through the, the practice. And I thought to myself, look, do, do I just, like, completely ignore this? Well, 
we couldn't celebrate and enjoy the moment because there was an elephant in the room. Okay. So um, I had to go up to her and her husband and I gave them some real simple advice. I, I said, because um, she obviously had some problems with the groom and I would argue for no good reason. Okay. Um, that weren't dealt with the way they should have been dealt with. Anyway, it was a big, I won't go into stories. I'm just, there's a whole backstory to all this stuff. And I just, I, I, I called her and her husband aside and I said, uh, look, the, the, the couple's getting married tomorrow. And, and the guy was fine with it, the, the, the father. And, and I said, um, and you, I had told the lady, I said, you can be like this tomorrow. Um, I, please don't be audible, you know, and, and it will impact your relationship with that couple for a very long time. Or you can go home together and you can pray. And you can talk to God about this. And you can come back with what is the right attitude. She came back the next day and you would have never known anything ever happened. She was welcoming and happy and I, I didn't even follow up with her. I just left it alone, you know. And we had a really nice celebration, wonderful time together. And, and they have a great relationship to this day. So anyway, there, but here's my point. You said, why are you sharing that? There's a purpose for it. I just wanted to focus in on the good. I didn't want to deal with that. But that was affecting this. And so I had to deal with it. When you come to Jude, you're going to find something very similar going on. Jude wants to just talk the gospel. And all the dimensions of the gospel and the wonders of the gospel. But there's this stuff out there that's pressuring. Where, where people have slipped in and they're, they're perverting the truth. And Judas thinking like, we can't do this if we allow that to stay right there. I've got to deal with that to protect this. See, that, that really is what Jude is doing in his book. He, he wants to celebrate with them, but he's got to deal with this thing first. So, couple things that may help you as we talk our way through this series and, and, and this chart. I, I just, just to try to, I want to put you in the, um, the setting of what's going on here. And some of this stuff is contested, so you're kind of getting my spin on it for, or my, my position on it. Hopefully it's the right spin. Um, Jude um, is, is, I mean, if, if, his, if you were living in the first century, you would have just called him Judah. Because it's from the, 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 the word Judah that we get Yehuda, you know, from, from the Old Testament. But it, in the New Testament, sometimes it gets translated Judah. Sometimes it gets translated Judas, Judas Iscariot. And sometimes it gets translated just Jude, like you find here. But he's Judah, all right? That's, that would have been his Hebrew name. But more interesting, he's the half-brother of Jesus, can you imagine what it would have been like growing up with Jesus? You know, you, you think sometimes you get jealous of your older brother. This would have been off the charts. Because, like, he never gets in trouble. Well, there was that Jerusalem incident that one time, okay? That, so, but that aside, you know, I mean, he just, like, never gets in trouble. 
And he's, he's like always right. He, you, he, ah, I mean, it, would a, wouldn't it have bugged you? Like, big time, big time. Well, apparently it bugged his brothers because none of them were believers in Christ during Christ's earthly ministry. Did you know that? We, we, we hear about them in Matthew 13. They're listed. James, who writes the book of James. And Jude is mentioned, who writes the book of Jude. Um, and we know in John chapter 7, that one time when Jesus is going up to one of the feasts, they almost kind of mock him as he's going up. Which shows us they don't believe in him at that point. But it is after the resurrection that everything changes. James becomes a believer and, and Jude becomes a believer. And the brothers of Christ, as best we can tell, they, they all become believers after, after his resurrection. It becomes a complete turning point for them. And isn't it interesting, when Jude opens up this book, you know, my, my tendency would probably be, Doug, the half-brother of Jesus. Oh, yeah. You see, right? Yeah. Oh, no, not Jude. He sees such a distinction now between him and Christ that he says, I'm a servant of Christ. I'm a brother of James. James and I are brothers. Yeah, and it's true, it's of Jesus. But the way we view him is not primarily as our brother, half-brother, but as our Lord. So Jude who is now completely enamored with Jesus Christ, needs to write. Now, this chart, for what it's worth, um, not to confuse you, I just want to, you know, sometimes we talk in our day about the turbulent 60s, you know, people talk about that, and we're thinking of the 1960s and all the stuff that people are doing. I would argue to you, to you that the real turbulent 60s were in the 60s of the first century. Because a couple things happened. In 62 AD, According to Josephus, we find out that James, the half-brother, the guy who writes the book of James, is murdered. The high priest has him murdered. When the gov one governor is going out, and before another governor comes in, man, he ha he's killed. James is dead. Paul, who has been in prison, is released. And then because of the persecution under Nero, he's rearrested. And he's beheaded. And, and, and out of that, and he writes some books there, Timothy, you can see there, Second Timothy, right before he dies. He dies, and Peter, who is still alive at the time, is writing some books. And we, we've been looking at Peter's books. And he, he writes first Peter, and part of what Peter's doing, he's trying to hold together these churches connected with both Peter and Paul. And he wants to say, we're all one in Christ, it's all significant. And he writes 1 Peter, and he gets arrested. And he writes 2 Peter. And he's crucified. The two leading apostles of the first century are dead. And you're Jude. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're, you're an important guy. Your brother's dead, the apostles are dead. There's all kinds of pressures from the outside, and there's people creeping in to pervert the only thing that matters to you, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. So what do you do? 
into that turbulent world, Jude pens an epistle. And it's only one chapter. And one of the things, if I, if I had a lot of time, I could go through it, but I just put a couple up here so you could see. Uh, one of the things you'll notice, even as, as we're preaching through Tim, Tim next week and then James, um, you're going to see some connections and parallels with Second Peter. There, there's, there's almost 20 of them. So you, you read Second Peter and then you read Jude and you go like, deja vu-ish. You, you do. And I think what's happening is this. Jude is picking, taking the baton from Peter. And Peter's had to write into this. And because the gospel is central to Jude, as it was to Peter, Peter's saying, I've got to write on this. And he's using 2 Peter and the truths of 2 Peter to communicate to the people he's writing to. And that becomes kind of the, the backstory for what Jude is doing. As he writes, I want you to try to imagine with me for just a minute um, what it would be like if you, if I was Jude and writing to you, what am I saying to you? Well, I'm probably largely speaking to a group of Gentiles with some Jews within. And, and it's because Jude talks about writing about a common salvation. In other words, salvation is common because it's all around Christ. It's not about being Jewish or Gentile. It's all about being around Christ. So, so I, I think that's, that, that's, that's part of what I'm going to be saying to you. Um, and, and one of the things that you find, I don't know if you can read there at the bottom real quick. Clearly, I probably should have made it a little bit bigger. But there at the, at the very bottom, it says there's a movement from awakening to sobering to being encouraging. Do, do, do you see that? Um, another quick example, okay, illustration if you don't mind. Okay, this goes back to when I was in high school, which is a long time ago. We had just moved to a new house. And um, my two youngest sisters were about three years of age. And um, no, 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 they were even younger. They would have been two. They were really, really young. And we just moved into this house and downstairs, my dad thought that all the stuff was turned off because there had been a kitchen at one point downstairs in the basement. Um, but it wasn't turned off. And so we had just loaded everything in there and we put stuff on top of the stove and you know, all the stuff. You know, you know where this is going, don't you? And we were all exhausted. We went to bed. And we're waiting to get up the next morning. I went to hear my mom call up and say, Doug, it's time for breakfast. And we'll have this wonderful time of just eating this meal together in the new house and blah, 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 all that. Well, my sisters woke up first. And once you know it, it's kind of curious, but they thought it was kind of interesting to turn that knob on that stove. And um, what I heard while I was in my deep sleep waiting for the breakfast announcement was fire! 
And then I remember I got up like a chicken with my head cut off, and I think I just circled my room about two times. So I wasn't sure, quite sure what to go, where to go, what to do. And then kind of got my bearings, like, this is like really serious. We need to get all the kids out of the house, right? So just make sure everybody's counted and for and we can get out. And then um, my, my dad went in and threw some stuff on the fire and all that kind of stuff. Um, and, and in God's good grace, the house didn't go up. It was really, the ceiling was this close to burning. I mean, there was smoke everywhere, but n- no major damages. But I, I've often thought about that. I thought about that experience as I was thinking about the movement of Jude. Because you go from, oh, I just want to have a really pleasant time to wake up, okay? There's fire! Ah, and, and then after you deal with everything and get everybody out, it's okay. That's kind of what Jude does in his book. Is he kind of moves. And so the section I'm looking at you with now, it's basically wake up. Okay? And Tim's going to say, uh, let me tell you a little bit about the fire. Okay, and, and what it entails, give you hope with that, but you know, it's, it's, you can rest in a sovereign God who's going to judge and deal with all these things. Okay, and then James is going to say, but there's some encouragement too. And this is how you actually contend for the faith. Okay, that's kind of how the book develops. That's how we've broken down the chapter. So I'm doing wake up, and they'll, they'll pick up with those other sections, if you will. This is what I would say to you if you were my audience. I want to encourage you concerning God's grace in the gospel. I I, I want to tell you, Gentiles, I'm speaking as a Jew and largely Gentiles, not only, but largely, probably. I I just want to tell you, um, it's wonderful to be related to you through Jesus Christ. Then I'd say this, although I wanted to celebrate our common salvation, and I do, I do, I do, I need to exhort you to contend for the faith because of the threats to the gospel. So there's this mandate to wake up. Then, I want to remind you about God's clear teaching concerning both his knowledge of and judgment upon those who pervert the gospel. That's going to be Tim next week. And then, I want to advise you how you should contend for the gospel. Just, and, and it's not in the way that you would think placards outside telling everybody that they're going to hell. It's not the way he goes after it at all. It's very different. And lastly, I want to encourage you to stand by God's grace and for his glory. So awaken, be sobered by the reality, but be encouraged because what God will ultimately do. I mean, that's, that's kind of how the book develops, or the book, what well, is a book, it's, you know, the chapter book, whatever you want to call it, actually develops. So having said that, let's jump into the first four verses together. And let's see, which one do I want to do here? I guess this one. Is that, yeah, that'll work. Okay. Verses one and two, and let me just read this again. I appreciate Dave reading the, chat, the section for us. Um, so, so again, listen, listen to what he's saying. This is his wake-up call, if you will. Uh, first things first. You've got to deal with this first. Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are the called, beloved in God the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ. May mercy and peace 
and love be multiplied to you. That starts out pretty positive, doesn't it? I mean, if you didn't know the book of Jude, you'd read that section and say like, oh, this is going to be pretty good. Because where he starts is, isn't it incredible what God has done for us in the gospel? So Jude says, don't think of me as the half-brother of Jesus. Think of me like you as a servant of Jesus Christ. James is my brother. So Jude is saying, I carry some authority. You should be listening to what I'm saying because what I'm saying is consistent with the apostolic message, right? So, so he does bring that in too, but, but, he, but he's one of us. To those who are, and here's what I want you to realize at this point. So much of the language that Jude uses when he describes you as a believer in Jesus Christ is the language used in the Old Testament for God's people. Because what he's saying, the whole movement of the Old Testament comes to the New Testament, finds its fruition in Jesus Christ, and the language that was used then is now used now for us. You are the called ones. You remember in Romans 9, when Paul says, those who were not my people shall be called my people. You see what he's saying? You are God's people. Yeah, I'm a Gentile, you're a Jew. It's Christ by grace, through faith, in Christ alone. That's it. And if you've trusted Christ, you are a called one. You've been named his people, his children. Goes on to say this. Beloved in God, loved of God, and kept. Now my translation says kept for Christ, Jesus Christ. It could also be kept by Jesus Christ. You could translate the Greek either way. So anyway, I tend to actually think it's more the second because of what's said a little bit later in this chapter. I think what he's saying here is this. Jude is saying, when I see you, I see people because they've trusted in Christ who are God's people. They've been named, given a new name. And they are loved of God. The God who is majestic and powerful and, and, and the great, and he, you're going to see a lot of judgment in this, in this book. No question about it. But because you're in Christ, you are loved. And because you're in, you will be also not, not only you're loved by God, but you will be kept either for Christ, I think it's saying you will be kept by Christ. You are completely secure. How secure do you think you in the first century are feeling about this time? Nero's persecuting people, getting knocked off left and right. He starts out his book by saying, you're God's people. You, you'll be okay. You're loved of God. And Jesus will keep you and take you through the process. And here's my plea for you, verse 2. May mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you or be abundant unto you. What, what if he just said, hey, it'd be nice if you had a little bit of mercy. Kind of just, to, is that what he says? 
Oh no, oh no. He says, look, your entire life is all about being mercied by God. And loved of God. You, 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 you are at peace with God in the sense that you're now in relationship. You've been reconciled. But, but, but God is a God who wants you to be able to rest and be, be set in a world that's all upside down. Peace. May it be multiplied to you. He goes on later in, in, in this chapter, in like in verse 21, where he's going to talk again about the idea of mercy and love. God's love and Christ, again, being the one who mercies us. And Jude starts out his book by looking at the Gentiles. And folks, if he was here right now as a Jew talking to us, he'd say the exact same thing. You're God's people. You're loved. You're kept. May God just continue to and just pour out his mercy and his love and his peace on you. Jude says, that's my prayer. That's what God wants for us as, as people, no matter what goes on around. That doesn't change because we're his. That's good stuff. And a book that's going to get really hard really quick. But what a foundation. And it's because of the wonder of the gospel that Jude has no time for anything that will pervert it. Because it's too pure, it's too wonderful. It's too, it's the best. You see? So look at what he says here in verses three and four. Beloved. That term beloved occurs three times in this book. So whatever else Jude is saying, he wants you to know you're loved of God. And never forget that. I, I love it. The, 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 this foundation that is so secure and God-focused can take us through anything, folks. It's great stuff. Great stuff. Beloved, while I was making every effort to write to you about our common salvation, <laughs> it was the book that was never written as far as we know. Wouldn't you have liked to have gotten that chapter? Actually, I would like a five chapter or 10 chapter on this one. But Jude, initials thought, these guys have passed away. Peter is now gone. He's seeing the same problems that Peter has seen. And what he's thinking is, I just want to write to them about our common salvation. Wouldn't you like to have read that? Maybe go back and grab some stuff from Paul and some stuff from Peter and kind of smoosh it all together. I don't know. And maybe, maybe he wanted to talk about the fact that in Christ, there's neither Jew nor Gentile. Slave nor free, male and female, because at the very core, who we are are in Christ. Maybe that's where he was going to go. I don't know. I didn't read the book. But he was saying, like, I was pumped for this. You know, I was ready to go all out and just talk about our common salvation. Maybe he wanted to talk about the fact that we're justified or rightified. There was a time in my life. When I bowed my knee to Jesus Christ and asked him to be my Lord and Savior, he just declared me righteous. Really? Do you know what happened that same hour? I went out and sinned right after. And I've been good at it ever since. How can I be right? Because I know Christ. 
And to be in Christ means when God sees me as his child, he sees me as right and righteous. Now, doesn't mean I shouldn't be living a righteous life by his grace and strength. Of course, that's a natural outworking. But maybe, maybe that's what Jude was going to talk about. I don't know. Grab some stuff from Paul. Maybe he wanted to talk about reconciliation. That enemies become family. Maybe he wanted to talk about the wonders of the freedom we have in Jesus Christ. Or, 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 or just, I mean, you could just go, you go on and on in Paul. Or, or maybe he'd want to go back to 1 Peter chapter 2 because he's obviously influenced by Peter and just say, we are a royal priesthood, a holy people. All that terminology used in the Old Testament, it's for us now as the people of God. That's where we find our identity. And, and Jude is saying, I really want to write to you about this stuff. Man, I, I just like want to, man, Jesus this and Jesus does that. And that's where he is. I would love to have read that book. But Jude says, although that's what I wanted to do, this is what I felt. So look, while, while that's what I wanted to do, I, I felt the necessity to write to you, appealing to you that you contend earnestly for the faith, which was once for all delivered to the saints. And there's a lot there. And I, I don't want to steal James's thunder. He'll, he'll unpack this more in detail when he gets to those verses. We, we contend in a way that you might not always consider contending, but it's contending for the faith. Think about what he says here. Contending for the faith once for all given to the saints. Do you know that's you? If you know Jesus Christ in your, as your Savior, um, people... You are legitimately a saint. I, I know in certain traditions, they have saints and then they have us. In true Christianity, if you know Christ, we're all saints. We are all holy people set apart to God to live lives that will honor him. He takes us, he says, you're my unique people to live as I've called you to live. You're my saints. That's who you are. And what I want you to do is haphazardly contend for the faith. No, 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 no. I want you to passionately contend for the faith. Once for all offered to the saints. Think about this, folks. The Old Testament promised that Jesus Christ was coming. Jesus Christ comes, lives, dies, resurrects, ascends. He's in heaven. He's coming back one day. And the apostles are the ones that unpack that for us. So, so often in 1 Peter and 2 Peter, you will see tethered together Jesus and his apostles as the outworking and fulfillment of all the promises from the Old Testament. That's how the Bible's put together. And what he's saying is, this is a message that has once for all. In other words, it doesn't need to be repeated, and there's nothing to build off of it, build on it. Nothing. As the writer of Hebrews says, God who has spoken in all kinds of different ways in the past through prophets and all these groups has spoken to us in these final days in his son. This is a faith that has been once for all given. And Jesus gives it 
to, to eyewitnesses. And eyewitnesses write books and talks to people and gives it to ear witnesses. And they give it to ear witnesses that they pass the book down and they keep going, moving, moving, moving down. And one day, an ear witness by the name of Doug Finkbeiner, who has heard an ear witness of an ear witness of an ear witness of an eyewitness of Jesus Christ. And I come to faith in Jesus Christ. And Jude says, Finkbeiner, the baton has been passed to you. You must contend for that faith which is unchanging. It's the only one once for all culminating in Christ. You must pick up the baton and you must continue to contend for that precious faith. And when you die, you pass it on to somebody else. And, when, and, and, and it's passed on to everybody. So Dan has it. And, and when Dan and I are off the scene, we pass it on to somebody else to actually do it. Because we are completely enamored by the wonder of what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. I was, um, I'm doing a class right now on narratives, preaching and teaching narratives at, at the seminary. And um, we, were, we were just... They're, they're working through Genesis 22, and they got to do worksheets and all that kind of stuff, which is a pain in the neck to grade, to be honest with you, but nonetheless, um, that aside. But you know, I'm just, I'm just reading the Genesis 22 account again. And um, the wonder, God would not allow Abraham to kill his son. He provided a lamb, didn't he? A ram. And yet, in his great love for us, he allowed his son to be killed for us. How, how, do, you, like, how do you understand that? Like, how, like, how do you... I mean, it's just, it's completely glorious. And Jude is saying, we can never lose the gospel. Or its entailments. It's outworking in the way that I live my life. We can't ever lose it. So I want you to pick up the baton. Brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, the baton is ours because we are Christ's. And we must do everything we can. God does the work, but he uses us to faithfully allow God to work through us to honor him with the purity of the gospel. That's what he's saying. Okay, okay, Peter. Like, what's going on exactly? Verse four. I should be flipping here so you can see these other things here, sorry. Um, For certain persons have crept in unnoticed. Those who were long before marked out for this condemnation ungodly persons who turn the grace of our God into licentiousness or sexual immorality, just excess, just outside of the bounds that God establishes. God has standards. Licentiousness means I break through and I do anything outside of the standard. I just bust through. No. They turn the grace of our God into a violation of all God's standards and what he wants, 
and in the process deny our only master and Lord Jesus Christ. I, I thought I was reading, reading this this couple, last couple weeks. It just struck me as kind of funny, not funny, interesting is a better word, that he talks about these people who creep in who long beforehand were marked out for this condemnation. You know what I love about that? Sometimes when problems hit and people come on and all of a sudden you go like, oh no, what am I going to do about that heresy or that thing going on there? And we think like, this is like brand new. Did this catch God off guard? Oh no. Long before you and I were ever around, God knew exactly what was going to happen. You're okay. He's got this one. He's the sovereign God. He knows it all. It's all under his providential watch care. So, yeah, I, I, I read this and I go like, that gives me encouragement. The perversion that he describes here, and, and I've got a listed there for you. I guess maybe I'll just read it. Perversion in... Perversions include anything that uses God's grace as an excuse for immoral behavior which rejects the authority of our Lord. You know, this was a, this was a problem in the first century. Paul has to combat it several times because for Paul, think about this. When Paul talks about the gospel, we, we love Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10 for good reasons, Right? For by grace you've been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast. So in that first section he's saying, it is all about what God does. It's by grace, through faith, in Christ, alone. And that's how people become Christians, right? But what does verse 10 say in Ephesians chapter 2? You are his masterpiece as a believer, who should then be living out your faith in a way that honors God. And what happens is people get the whole thing mixed up, don't they? Some people take the second part and they try to smoosh it back into the first part. And they say, if you're going to become a Christian, you got to do this, and you got to do that, and you got to go through this ritual, and you got to do this thing, and then, and then maybe you'll be saved. Hopefully. Completely misreading the text. It's all of God. And you and I come before him as sinners who have no hope. And we say, mercy me because of Jesus. The great God of love forgives us. And brings us into his family. Just like that. Incredible. And then, does that then mean I can go out and just live any way I want? Well, you know, Paul has to deal with that in his, in his book sometimes. Matter of fact, he'll even say in Romans chapter 6, verse 1, and again in verse 15, he'll say something like this. He'll say, yes, we're people of grace. So does that mean because we're under grace and not under the Old Testament Mosaic law covenant anymore. Does that mean that we can just sin because we're free? And Paul's going to say, no. No, no, no. That's not what I'm saying. A true believer will then live out their faith in a way that honors God. Not perfectly, but progressively. Do you see? And what happens is when the gospel is perverted... 
things get mixed up or canceled out. And you lose what God has intended. And then when Jude is attacking it, he's attacking the back end. Where people are saying, hey man, free in Christ. And, and again, as in 2 Peter, the issue that explicitly comes up here is in the whole area of sexuality. Where, hey, you know, I like that woman even though she's not my wife, but whatever, freedom, in, whatever, they're, they're, they're creeping in and somehow they're perverting grace and saying you can go out of God's standards and violate them. And it's okay because Christians are about freedom. And our, our, our response to that is you completely misunderstand freedom. Freedom is not Doug Finkbeiner living as he wants. Freedom is, is actually the ability from God empowered by his spirit for me to finally live as God has designed me. It's completely different. But they're using the freedom language in a whole different way. And you're going to see in the text here, issues like homosexuality are brought into this. And so, there's, so I, I read this text and I think like kind of like deja vu. Don't be surprised when people come in and they take God's word and they manipulate it and they control it for their own purposes. And he says, these are ungodly people because regardless of what they're saying to you, at the end of the day, they're denying the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what they're doing. By their, they may even say, oh, I like Jesus. Look at what they're doing at the love feast. Look at what they're telling you. Look at their, the, how they're manipulating you. Look, look, all, all that stuff. And so James says, we got to contend. So my brother and sister, because I know I need to wrap it up. I think this is what Jude is telling us. For you and us, you and I, you and me, sorry. We must contend for the gospel against all perversions because of the glories of the gospel. It's too pure. It's too good. It's too wonderful for me to allow people to cloud it up, to darken it, to try to break it. No, no, because I'm fixated on that and the God who has given that to us, when people come in and say other things, I've got to say, here I am I, whatever happens, happens, but I must do something because the faith is worth contending for. And we can contend in a lot of different ways. Jude, I think, gives us a really helpful pattern here that James will unpack. I don't want to steal any of the preaching from any of the other guys. I just want to tell you this. This passage is saying, wake up. Because people will slip into the church and people outside of the church will say things to undermine and pervert the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. And we cannot allow it. It's our heart. It's our, it's, it's our life. It's everything. And we must contend. Let's pray. Father, we... Um, We are, or we should be, and we're not always, but we should be 
overwhelmed by the wonders of the gospel of Jesus Christ. What you have done for us, Lord, we can never imagine. We will spend all eternity trying to figure out just how broad and deep and high it is. It's just, it's amazing, Lord. Because we love the gospel, because we love the God of the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ, our Lord, May we protect it. May we defend it. May we do our part because we're completely enamored with you. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. How appropriate that we would move into a communion service today after this wonderful um, emphasis this wonderful book and so the communion table uh there's there's a cup and underneath there's some bread if you're visiting with us if you're saying hey i got the cup i didn't get the bread it's there it's just it's underneath there's two of them together um you'll get both of those at the same time we'll be distributing these in just a moment um we don't we don't do this because there's anything magical it's not like if you drink enough of this you know, something happens. Don't work that way. We do this because it gives us a, a chance to think afresh about the wonders of the cross that Jesus has allowed his body to be broken for us, his blood to be shed for us. He has died. And not just physically, but he experienced spiritual separation from God for us. That's a mystery in itself. And this is the moment for you and I to sit and just reflect on the wonder of the cross. That God has loved me this much. This gospel which I must protect. And so we do this because we're prone to forget. And not remember the wonders of what he's done for us.
we prepare our hearts for communion, let's reflect on the perfect sacrifice of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. His blood shed upon the cross is our only hope for the forgiveness of our sins. The righteousness of Christ made him the only sacrifice that would satisfy the payment God required for each of us. As the old hymn says, our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. And that's once and for all. All right, please stand and sing with us. It's built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. When darkness hides his lovely face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. His oath is covenant, his blood support me in the whelming flood. When all around my soul gives way, he then is all my hope and stay. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. When he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground is sinking sand. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand.
So this morning we hold in our hands the symbols of Christ's sacrifice. And truthfully, everything seems inadequate when we are really focused on what Christ has done for us, the magnitude of it, the full grace of it, the gift that is represented in these elements. But they are simply pictures of a greater reality. The first one is the piece of bread that we hold in our hands. Paul the Apostle said, I received from the Lord that which I also have passed on to you. That Christ, on the night in which he was portrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is broken for you. Partake of this in remembrance of me. Bible says in the same way after supper he took the cup saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me let's pray together as we prepare to fellowship and enjoy our life together Lord Jesus Christ we are thankful so thankful for the incredible sacrifice that you gave of yourself so that rebels like us could be forgiven and free and Lord as we have sung the only solid ground we have to stand on is not a ground of our own making it is the ground of the cross it is the ground of your provision of your grace of your favor so there is no merit of our own there is nothing that would ever cause us to boast but only simply to be incredibly grateful for the glory of the gospel that Doug has spoken about this morning so Lord as we go from here and as we think about perhaps something we learned in our Sunday school class something that we by your spirit have picked up through the word of God that was spoken today Lord we just want to go live this for your glory and we know that we can't do it on our own so we pray that your Holy Spirit would so fill us and so empower us that uh, we don't leave this place the same as we came. We leave different and we leave desiring to glory in the work that Jesus Christ has so graciously done for us. And so Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for this time when we can reflect, when we can see where we have uh, fallen short, where there is sin present in our lives. We can confess that to you during this communion service and proclaim through these elements that there's hope, grace, and forgiveness. So bless as we go. Fill us with joy. Bless the fellowship that we share at the table out front. Glorify yourself through us, we pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. God bless you as you go.